right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house, man. It's good to have everyone here in Florence. So great, man, to see you so many faces. Can we give it up for our Lawrenceburg Faith, Faith Church family, man? It's good to have you guys in the house as well. And everybody else who's watching online, whether you are Faith Church family, whether you are out, just not able to be in the building, not comfortable coming back yet, or you're a guest, man, we want you to know that we value all of you, man. We hope that God will speak something profound to your life today. We say this every week that we believe that Jesus, come on, he is the hope of the world, which means whatever you're going through, your struggles, your challenges, your issues and opportunities, if you'll allow Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Come on, how many people here believe that? Come on. Well, listen, we are finishing up a series we started several weeks ago entitled Fresh Start. Like the whole idea is as we step into a new year, it's a new opportunity for a new us. And a lot of times we leverage that time. We take the first of the year to look at ourselves, to look at our surroundings, our life. And a lot of times we take that time to make decisions of maybe how we want to be better in the new year. And so kind of leveraging that idea anyways that so many of us have that we're looking at our lives and looking at changes we need to make. I thought I would lean into maybe not just things that maybe we need to consider, but I think there's several areas that God wants us all to consider of areas we need to maybe make some changes. And so since it's a fresh start and a new year for a new me, we've talked about some of these big ideas that we, are, we need to get a fresh start. Week one, we talked about having fresh faith, that this is the year we need to believe God big. We need to believe that we serve a big God who can do anything, who can open any door, who can change any situation, and we need to put our faith out there and trust God and not just look at what is happening in culture. Come on, anybody. Everybody down for some fresh faith. We talked about fresh uh, uh, fitness, which didn't land as well, but it's still as powerful, right? If we're going to really fulfill our call and do everything God created us to do, on some level, it's going to take some physical health and endurance to do that. We talked last week this idea of fresh finances, that if we're really going to be, again, the people God's called us to be in 2021, sometimes we've got to make some financial adjustments in the way we save, the way we spend, the way we give. Today, as we finish this series, I want to talk about this idea of having fresh friends. When I say fresh friends, I don't mean like, you know, Prince of Bel-Air fresh. I just mean like, I'm talking about some new friends, some new relationships. Because here's what I believe as I get into this message today. If you've been here for any amount of time, I talk about relationships on a regular basis. Because I believe relationships are a key component to who you are. I say it this way, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me who you're hanging out with, who you're doing life with, who you're married to, who your ride and die is, who your homeboys or homegirls are. Show me your inner circle and I'll show you where you're headed in life. Your friends, your companions are a key component to your success and journey in life. And so because of that, God has so much to say about it. In fact, I think this is probably the most important message out of the four because who your friends are define the other three areas we talked about. Did you know, not just God's word says it, but there are plenty of studies out there that like your level of physical fitness in part is determined by the level of physical fitness of those you run with. Like if you're hanging out with healthy people, they will influence you to be healthy. If you're hanging out with people who eat cheeseburgers, you're probably going to eat a cheeseburger. If you're hanging out with like people who are financially successful, I'm not saying it'll necessarily increase your bottom line or your net worth, but people like that, right? They'll start to define who you are. And so determining who your friends are will help determine your fitness and determine your finances. And God's word speaks a ton about the people you run with, how they define and impact your faith. And so friends, and when I say friends, I mean who you're married to. Again, I mean like the whole gambit. We're going to paint with a, a wide brush today. I mean all of the key relationships in your life. Now, we just passed Christmas, and it's funny because, you know, all of us go through this time. We're trying to wrestle with the perfect gift, and 
I was able for the last couple of years to nail the perfect gift for one of our kids. We have three kids, two daughters, our oldest two are daughters and our son. Um, and so I got this year, it came in the mail and she saw it and I hated she saw it, but she wasn't sure it was hers, but it was. I got my oldest daughter for Christmas. One of her gifts was a nine piece Ryobi toolkit and she loved it. Come on, somebody. And here's the thing, right? I got her that this year, a couple years ago. I say I, Sean and I. And we, I got her like a 302-piece toolkit with, you know, ratchets and sockets and screwdrivers. And here's why. is because our oldest daughter, daughter, Caleb, she is very independent. Kayla loves to fix things, which is really, on one hand, kind of cool. Because my dad, he passed down like a lot of hands-on stuff to me. And I loved it. He taught me how to fix stuff. And so I'm doing the same thing for my kids. The tough part with Kayla is she is so independent. A lot of times she doesn't even come ask me. Like she's out fixing her car on her own because she's got some tools in YouTube. And like sometimes I'm asking her to help me fix my car. Come on, somebody. Like, so I love it that she is fixing her own thing. But, you know, a lot of us, we, we're maybe not that hands-on or right. And so a lot of times we find ourselves in life outsourcing our problems right? There's people we call if we have an electrical issue or a car problem or a plumbing issue. There are people that we can call that can come in and fix those things. What I want you to know today on the front end, right, Lawrenceburg, Florence, is that if you are having relationship challenges, the only person that can fix them is you. While the challenges that sometimes you face might be someone else's fault, it's your responsibility, which means if your relationship level is going to go higher, you are going to have to make some decisions that's going to take you there. Y'all hear me today. Because I want you to know something. The people who are in your corner, who are encouraging you, who are challenging you, and who are loving you are defining the journey that you're on. And because of that, again, God speaks so profoundly on the concept of relationship. In fact, right in the beginning, after God made everything, God made all of creation, and again, get the picture, it's perfect. Man is, mankind is, is perfect, like Adam is hanging out in the garden with six-pack abs, no sickness, no disease. He's looking good. He's got all his hair follicles, right? He's looking good and he ain't even going to the gym. His relationship with God is perfect. There's nothing separating him from his Savior. Creation is pristine. There's no pollution. Like everything is perfect. Get the picture. God, after he creates it all, everything he creates, he says, it's good. It's good. Man is good. Creation's good. The sky, the fish, the birds, the mountains, it's all good. And then he says this. Genesis 2.18 in the beginning says, then the Lord God said, it is not good. Come on, everybody say that. It is not good for man to be alone. So I want you to know something. Like, you were created for companionship. God formed you to have friendships. Now, I'm not telling you, you, like, there's no way you can succeed on your own. I'm just telling you there's a level that God created you in your life that you will only find through friendship. You were not built to do life by yourself. In fact, the wisest man who ever lived, his name was Solomon. He was one of the kings of Israel in the Old Testament, is responsible for penning and writing the book of Proverbs. Here's what he had to say on this idea that is fleshed out that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. He said this about relationships in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, verse 9, he says, two people are better off than, come on, y'all need to shout this, come on, Lawrenceburg, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. What he's saying is that there are some dreams you have and there are some opportunities you have and there are some things you want to do in life. There are some levels of success that you can't achieve flying solo. I'm not saying you can't be successful, but he's saying, hey, two's better than one. 
If you have someone in your corner that's living a level of success that you've not reached, having that person in your life to pull you to the next level. He said, man, it's all about companionship. It's all about friendship. Then he says this, verse 10, he says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. High people in this room or in Lawrenceburg watching online, even raise your hand, will be honest enough to say that sometime your journey has seasons of falling where you struggle, like you fall, off the, you fall off the fitness wagon, fall off the financial wagon, fall off, come on, whatever wagon you're trying to ride on, we find ourselves struggling. And Solomon, he said, you know what? He said, if you fall alone, you're in real trouble. Again, he's, what he's saying is this idea, right, that there are some challenges that you can't confront without having companions in your corner. That if you'll have the right person who has your back, you are far more likely to get to the other side. He says this in verse 11. He says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep warm, uh, can keep each other warm, but how can one person keep warm alone? He's saying, again, there's, you're going to face some obstacles in life. Like, you're going to look at a problem and say, man, how do I fix that problem? And while a lot of you are really smart and you have your brain capacity and your degrees and write your experience, he's saying, but if you got someone else in your corner, he's saying you can overcome some obstacles by having other people in your journey more than you could ever overcome in your own. And then he finishes this way, verse 12, he says, and a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. He's saying again that there are some battles that if you fight them alone, you are more than likely to be overcome. Come on, anybody have any battles in 2020? Anybody have any struggles that you felt like you were being overcome by? Come on. What God's word is saying is, again, that life really is better together, that if you'll have the right people who have your back, if you'll have the right companions in your corner, if you'll have the right friends in your journey, if you'll be surrounded by the right people, he's saying there's going to be a level of success, there's going to be some fights you can win, there's going to be some things you can overcome that you can't do alone. Come on, does anybody want some fresh friends in 2021? Now, I'm just going to tell you this, right? Stepping onto this platform, praying this week, I really felt like God spoke something really clear to my heart just to make this declaration that some of you have had a hard time walking away from people that were holding you back. You somehow felt responsible for them or overcommitted to them. And I'm just telling you, I believe that God's going to give you the grace to cut you loose from some people who are holding you back. And I also believe that God's going to give some of you the opportunity to find some new friends and renew some old friendships that are key to your spiritual journey and going to be key to helping you move forward. So I just want you to know God's in this fight with you. Come on, fresh friends in 2021. And so I'm going to look today at this story where this principle of life is better connected, that again, we are more successful. We're going to fight better in battles. We're going to overcome obstacles better with the people in our life. I want to look at this guy by the name of Gideon. Gideon is this guy in the Old Testament. He's, his his story is told in the book of Judges. Now, we're, when we hear Judges, we think of people, right, in black robes with gavels behind benches. That's not the kind of judge that the book of Judges is talking about. Right, The Old Testament is about God's people, the nation of Israel, and they went through this season where their na- the kind of the neighboring people around them kept attacking them. And in this season that we're going to talk about today, this group of people called the Midianites were oppressing God's people, the nation of Israel. And so God raised up this guy Gideon to be a judge. A judge was a political or a military leader. And so basically God calls this kid, Gideon, out of obscurity and calls him onto the front line to rescue the nation of Israel 
on God's behalf. And this is his story. I want you to hear this. Watch this. So when God calls him out, his thing is like, God, you got the wrong guy. I'm a nobody from nowhere. Like, God, I can't do this. And God's speaking to Gideon basically calls him to this place of potential and capacity. And he says this to him in uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 14. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. And then God makes this promise. He says, but I'll be with you. Everybody say, God's with me. Come on, the best news you can hear today is God's with you in the life that you're living. Come on, you're not in this thing alone. The presence of God is with you. He says this. He says, I'll be with you and you'll destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And I want you to hear this next part. Watch how Gideon responds to this call to go. He says, so Gideon... I want everybody here to read these next three words, and his army. Did Gideon go alone? Absolutely not. Well, what did God say to him? God said, you're going to go. And Gideon, in his effort to respond to what God had for him, again, it says, so Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harad. I want you to hear this. One of the ways that God surrounds us with his presence is he surrounds us with people. Right? I mean, there are all these promises in God's word that God is going to give you strength. And while for sure the spirit of God can give us this inner fortitude in life, I want you to know that sometimes the way God brings you strength is to bring people alongside of you to help you carry the load. God can absolutely do all these incredible things alone. We don't really need anybody else. But God says, I put other people in your path. So all the promises that God has for you, some of the promises that you're waiting for God to fulfill in your life, it's going to come through relationships in your life. Right? God makes the promise to Gideon that he's going to overcome, but they, he didn't overcome alone. So the promise was to Gideon, but he overcame by a group. See, what I'm telling you is the fight you're in, the battle you're in, the opportunities you have in 2021, if you're going to get to the other side of God's blessed life for you, you got to surround yourself with the right people if you're going to get there. Fresh friends in 2021. Now, again, I think there's some of us in this room, right? We look at life, and I think, first of all, we just have to be honest. We don't do relationship really well anyways, right? I mean, like a lot of times, just the dating culture that currently we're in is, is crazy. The dating culture we're in, there's so much craziness. I just would say this. If you're dating somebody, and they're on Facebook, and their, their social status of your relationship is as complicated, you need to tell them to hit the road. Let me, let me uncomplicate this for you. Right? We define currently in culture our relationships, dating relationships, as situationships. Listen, I'm, not, I'm better than, listen, you better go get another situation. We have all this friend drama going on, drama in friendships, craziness in dating. Divorce continues to be at an all-time high in our nation. People that not too long ago we stood in front of before God and friends and looked them in the eye and said, I love you with all my heart and committed to do life with you till the very end. Here we are here. And we're no longer together. And we can get into all the complexities of that. And I'm sure you have your own challenges and reasons. And I say that with no condemnation other than to say, I don't think we figured out relationships very well. And so while God says they're incredibly important, if we're going to do it right, we have to lean into the creator if we're going to understand companionship. So I just want to give you three things. Again, relationship is such a big topic. I just want to give you three things I think will help you in 2021 if you're going to have the life is better connected mentality. Number one, if you're taking notes, you got to run from toxic relationships. Go ahead, Pastor. That's just really good. Toxic relationships. 
Here's how I would define a toxic relationship. We understand toxic relationships in culture. It's a talking term. But here's how I would define a toxic relationship in your life or mine. A toxic relationship is any relationship that contaminates your character or compromises your calling. I'm telling you that God has called us to live at a level of life and a standard. It's God's children, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And any people who's speaking against that and holding us back are people we need to cut off in 2021 so we can move forward in the things that God has for us. Go ahead, Pastor. Like, sometimes we just got to make a decision that I've got to leave you behind to go where God's called me to go. You're going to see this pattern unfold in the life of Gideon in this story that I'm going to share. I'm just going to say this, and this may not be popular, and I'm okay. But I want everybody here to know this. I believe with all of my heart that while we ought to be friendly to everybody, I don't think we should just be friends with anyone. I don't think we should be rude or put offish. Like, I think we can have lots of acquaintances and be friendly with every person. But I'm talking about the context of a friend, someone that's in our corner, someone that has our, has our ear and we have theirs. Like, I think that circle ought to be really small. And we just allow any, anybody into our life, anybody to speak to our journey, anybody to help direct where we're going, anybody who influences how we live. I think that circle ought to be really small. So, again, I just want you to know, man, you can be friendly with everybody, but you ought to be really careful with just, like, who's a friend. And so Gideon, right, he gets in this place where he has to make a decision. He's getting ready to go into battle. Like, he's got to fight this huge crowd. And the good news is, watch this, 32,000 troops show up. Come on, somebody. I ain't fighting alone. 32,000 people. Come on, it's about to be on like Donkey Kong. And then God says this. Watch. Judges chapter 7, verse 2. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. You can't have too many people when you're in a fight. On your side, just so I'm clear. But God says, no, you got too many people. I want you to notice what he says to him, how he's to narrow his, his circle of influence. Verse 3 says, therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So he started with 32,000. 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So he just stands up. He's got 32,000. Lawrenceburg, he looks at this crowd of people, and he says, hey, guys, listen, if you're here and you're timid or you're afraid, I don't even want you to go with me. I know you thought you were for me, but, like, I can't even afford you to have, I can't afford to have you in my corner. I need you to go home. And, like, two-thirds of them got up and left. The majority of them left, which just tells me maybe the majority of the people who we call friends in our circle, maybe it's time to downgrade their status to just being friendly and not friends. Why? We asked him, he says, hey, I'm getting, ready to go in, I'm getting ready to go into a battle. I'm getting ready to go into a fight. And if you're timid or afraid, which our English translation doesn't do it justice, here's what he's saying. He's not being redundant, timid or afraid. Some translations say scared or afraid. Why is he saying it twice? Here's why. Because there were some of the people in the circle that said this, we're never going to beat them. Man, the Midianites are way too strong. Listen, you need people in your corner who believe you can win the fight and you can overcome the battle. He said, listen, all the, all the doubters, you need to get them out of your corner because they don't really have the heart to fight for you anyways because they don't believe you can win. He said, so there's some who said, I can't beat them. Then there's some who said, I want to be them. Like, why should we fight the Midianites? They're such a great, let's go join them. Listen, you don't want people pulling you down. You want people who are pushing you forward in your spiritual journey. So a toxic person, a toxic relationship is, again, is somebody who's contaminating your character, someone who's holding you back from your call. I read a story this week. There was this couple. They'd been married for like 30 years, right? 
And on the outside, everything looked healthy. A lot of things looked normal. And one day, this guy, right? I mean, he comes home from work. He eats dinner, and he just gets sick. He gets bubble gut. Ugh. Goes to bed, wakes up the next morning. He feels a little better and goes through his day, and he gets sick again. And this pattern of kind of daily getting sick starts to escalate, and he starts getting more and more sick. He goes to the doctor. He don't know if it's a flu bug. And finally, he gets so sick that he get, gets admitted to the hospital. They run a battery of tests, and they find out that this guy is being poisoned. He's being poisoned by his own wife. Now, I hesitated to tell you the method by which she was poisoning him, because some of you will try it, because this is a big church, and some of you are cray-cray. But I hold no responsibility. Let me say it in the camera. I am not responsible for giving you this information. <laughs> Some of you are like really taking notes. What did he do exactly? What's he doing? <laughs> so Visine is okay to squirt in your eyes. It's just not okay to put it in your digestive tract. And every day she was squirting Visine, and it was killing him. Now, here's what's crazy. Listen. Here's what's crazy about this story. She gets arrested. She gets put away. There's actually interviews of this guy after his wife who tried to poison him and kill him. And this is what he says. Now, I'm not being crass, but like this is what he said. He said, like, our sex life was amazing. We, I thought we had a good, like, we did things together. We, like, we hung out. Like, I thought things were good. So the sex is good. Our time is good. Our conversation is good. And here she's trying to kill me. The reason I share this story is because a lot of the toxic relationships that many of you are in, the reason you can't cut them off is because you're focused on the good. Well, this person does this for me, and we laugh together, and we have fun together. And what I'm telling you is if you're going to go to the next level, you just can't look at what they're doing for you. you got to look at what they're keeping from you. And I'm just telling you, in order to get to the next level, some people can't go with you. you got to cut them off. you got to run from toxic relationships. Come on, somebody. Some of you are being poisoned by, converse, by vising conversations. Come on, some of you are being poisoned by visine temptations. Come on, some of you are being poisoned by visine. Come on, words spoken to you, conversations you're drug into, situations you're put into by the people you're choosing to live life with. And you have to look at it and say, this is poisoning me. It cannot go on. I'm going to run from toxicity in 2021, and I'm going to get some fresh friends and experience all that God has for me. Let's go. So we all know, at least probably many of us here, in our spiritual journey, we have a real spiritual enemy, right? The devil. Like he's real. Jesus taught about him. God's word describes him that there is this fallen angel that hates God, therefore hates who God loves. He hates you. He's got a plan to take you out. He's got a scheme to keep you from succeeding. And two of his main strategies, check this out, is that he's a slanderer and he's a tempter. He's a slanderer, which means he talks against your potential. He has your ear and says, God will never love you. You can never be good enough. You'll never achieve enough. You just can't do it. And we just get weighed down by the thoughts of the enemy defeating us before we ever fight. The other thing that the enemy does, Satan, is he's a tempter. If he can't keep you from being successful, he'll pull you off on side paths and get you to stumble and fall. Here's what's crazy. I'm convinced that Satan, for some of us, he doesn't even have to really engage with us because you got friends doing his job for him. A lot of us, we got friends that are tempting us into situations. Some of you are dating people who are tempting you into choices that are holding you back from God. Some of you are surrounded with friends that are tempting you into decisions and lifestyles and habits that are holding you back. Come on, the devil's like, the friend's got it. I don't even need to step in. And some of you got some slanderers who are speaking against you, saying, oh, you don't need to do that. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you, Jesus didn't hang out with devils. He cast them out. Some of you need to say, listen, it's time for 22,000 of you to go home. You can't go with me in 2021. 
God needs some fresh friends. Let's go, Pastor. Go ahead. Here's the way the writer of Hebrews says it. He says this. He says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So he's saying in your spiritual journey, there's going to be some stuff that's weighing you down. And if you're going to run at a faster, more effective pace in the plan that God has for you, in your success, in your business, in your journey, in your calling, in your character, if you're going to do it, you have to choose to strip some stuff off that's causing you to stumble. And I think if we're all honest here, maybe take a pause and allow ourselves to be honest and look inside. I think a lot of us probably who are hearing this message can choose to say, it's that person that I've allowed in my life that's the weight that's slowing me down that I need to strip off in 2021. So as we process this message and this word together, I just want you to be thinking, like, who's the person? Who's the person? Not that you can't be friendly to them, but I just can't have them in my circle anymore. Who's the, who's the person you're dating that you need to cut off? Who's the person you've been hanging out with that you need to stop giving time to? Who's the person that's poisoning you from your purpose and plan that God has for you? Number two, if you're taking notes, not just run from toxic relationships. I think we need to rehab important relationships. Rehab them. So on one hand, like, we got toxicity that we need to run from. On the other side, I'm telling you, some of you are running from relationships you need to run to. We live in a cancel culture. Isn't it crazy how quick culture will cancel people? Like, you have people that do amazing things, like they're really important political people, or like they're just wealthy people that have invested and given, or whatever it is, people in community, people we know, and all of a sudden, they make a comment that we don't agree with, or they support a political figure that we didn't support. They do something we don't agree with, and all of a sudden, culture shuts them off. Listen, while culture can do it, Christ followers should not be a part of the cancel culture. How can, be, how can people who've been called to love cancel people? How can people who needed the grace of God and experienced the goodness of God keep it from other people and cancel them? How can people who say they follow the living God ever cut off and cancel someone else who's part of God's creation? I'm telling you, if you are part of the cancel culture, shut it down and be part of Christ, which means we got to love everybody. They don't look like me, act like me, believe like me, live like me, but they are, they're, they're, God, they're made in God's image. Jesus died for them as much as me. They need the grace of God just as much as I do. I'm not going to cancel them. I'm going to love them. That's so what I'm telling you is there are some people you need to walk away from. You can be friendly to, just not friends, but there's some relationships that you thought you needed to walk away from that you need to lean into. There are relationships, maybe you went through a hard time, and this is not just the marriages, but if I can just talk to marriages in the room, Husbands specifically, husbands, are you losing your minds? As your pastor, it breaks my heart. And it's not just husbands. It's wives too. But it seems like in this last year, it seems like almost on a weekly basis, I hear of another couple who are fake church family where the husband walked away from this beautiful woman and these lovely kids to go chase who knows what. And I'm sure if I got anybody in this room who's gone through divorce, and I don't mean any condemnation. I know everybody has their story and their journey. But probably if I talk to you, you probably just hit the place, the majority, you just tapped out, you just had enough. And you just decided, like, life would be better if I go on. And I'm just saying the God we serve is a God of reconciliation. If he could fix my relationship with him, he can fix your relationship with your spouse. He's that big. He's that able. And so here's Gideon, right? He's got 32,000 people that want to go with him into this battle. God says, listen, you got some who are toxic you can't take with you. 22,000 are cut off. Then listen to verse 4. 
It says, but the Lord told Gideon, if I read these verses, there are still too many. Do you see a running theme? A smaller circle of great friends is better than a big circle of friendly people. Still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I'll test them to determine who can go with you. Keep going. Next verse. He says this. He says, when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide these men, 10,000 men, into two groups. I won't get into all that happened there, but think about this. Here's one man, Gideon, and he's got to divide 10,000 people into groups. You go, you stay, you go, you stay. Which means in order to rehab an important relationship, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of effort. Sometimes you want to give up. It's funny, I don't know about anybody else here, but my wife and I feel like we have a great relationship. We love each other. We are in love with each other. We've been married for a long time, uh, 26 or 7 years. She's not here, so I don't have to know. It's just been a long time. We dated five years before that. But, like, I'm just saying, we have our own challenges and our own complications. I'll be honest, I don't know how my wife puts up with me sometimes. I don't know why she gives me the grace she does. I'm hard to get along with sometimes. I'm hard to live with. And, man, my wife is just a champ. Just yesterday, we're, we're driving to our son's basketball game, and we're having this conversation like many of you in this room. You're a couple. You're dating somebody. You're married. Where the conversation went like this, where she said something that I know she said, but she said she didn't say. But I said she did say it, so I was saying she said it, which made her mad that I said she said it, but she was getting mad because she said, no, I didn't say it. Anybody have a conversation like that? She said it, by the way. And don't ask me to repeat that because I can't. And I just looked at her and I was like, babe, do you ever want to strangle me like sometimes I want to strangle you? Like, ugh. She's like, more than you know. <laughs> and that's this marriage and that's this life. But what would happen in 2021 if friendships you gave up on, someone who hurt you, someone who was a lifetime friend, man, who loved you, who had your back, and you had a little falling out, or a family member that you used to hang out with that was like important to your circle of family, like they did something, and so you just canceled them, or so you have a spouse, and maybe, maybe they made a bad decision, maybe they violated your marriage, but what would happen if the grace of God moved into your heart? You said, I'm not going to give up on that marriage. I'm going to work on that marriage. I'm going to rehab it because it's important. God sent that person to me. I'm not going to cancel them. I'm going to love them, and I'm going to go to the next level with them. What would happen if you rehab the really important relationships that you were giving up on? One of the things my wife loves to watch at home, and so I'll watch with her. You know, all these shows, they've been around now for decades, all these shows on rehabbing houses. One of our favorites that we watch is, uh, is Love It or List It. Anybody, come on, Lawrenceburg, Florence, anybody here watch Love It or watch Love It or List It? So the premise of Love It or List It is, right, this, this person or this couple have this home and they're just tired of it, like the entryway is crowded, the bedroom, don't have enough bedrooms, the, the bathrooms are dilapidated, the basement needs redone, and they're just done with it, like it's like I'm so over that house. And so they go to this show, Love It or List It, and the principle is one person will go out and try to find them within their budget a, a better house than they're currently in. And he's looking for them to list their house and move to his new proposed house. But the other person in the show, her job is to come in and to look at this house with all of its limitations and all of, it, all of its ugliness and dilapidation and challenge and to see a greater vision than what it has. And she takes the resources that this couple gives her and she goes in and she rehabs and paints and tears down walls and redoes basements. And what's crazy is when it gets done, it's this beautiful, stunning house. And maybe some of you didn't know this, but the majority of people choose to love it than list it. 
which means they were ready to give up on it because they couldn't see its potential. But someone came in with an eye to see potential and put in the hard work to get it there. And they decide, you know what, this ain't so bad after all. I'm going to stay right here in this house. What I'm telling you is some of you are ready to tap out on a relationship. You're ready to, ready to walk away from some friends. You're ready to walk out on your marriage. I'm telling you to allow God to give you an eye to see the potential of your marriage, put in the hard work and effort, rehab important relationships in 2021, and watch what God does. Come on, somebody. Number three, number three. So we need to run from toxic relationships. We need to rehab important relationships. Number three, I think we need to relish, value, life-giving relationships. I want you to notice how the army condenses even smaller. Again, Judges chapter 7, verse 7, this guy Gideon that started with 32,000, he lost two-thirds, 22,000 he lost to toxicity. Then he loses another batch of friends. Watch this. It says, the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, he started with 32,000, 31,700 aren't fit for the fight. With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Come on, one more time. Would you all read this last sentence with me? Send all the others home. You know the way we say it today? Send them packing. It's not that they're not good people. They're not good for you. It's not that there's something wrong with them. They just can't fight the fight you're getting ready to go into. Here's what I want to tell you is, so it, 30, he started with 32,000. In his circle, God kept saying, make your circle smaller. Make your circle smaller. Make, find, find the people who are going to love you unconditionally. Find the people who are going to give you good wisdom. Find the people who are, who are accelerating you in your journey. Find the people who are holding you accountable. And find the people you can do that with. And, and I'm just saying, that, that kind of friends, those friends are small. So here's my question is, who is your 300? Why say 300? He started off with 32,000, ended up with 300. He had less than 1% of his friend circle. Man, a lot of us who are hearing this, we would lose our mind if we had 32,000 followers on Instagram. 32, I'm viral, baby. Woo, 32 likes on a video? Are you kidding me? I'm somebody. God's like, no, no, no. You got a bunch of friendly people. You don't have friends. Get the circle small. Who's your 300? Let me tell you about who my 300 is. Sean and I, again, we've been married for a long time. We dated for about five years. We started dating. She officially became my girlfriend. Right? It says right there. She became my girlfriend. October 30th, 1988. I was a junior in high school. She was a sophomore. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I was a partier. I was a fighter. I was a, like just, I was always in trouble. Started dating this church girl, started going to church, had never been to church. And I fall in love with Jesus. And more importantly, I found out that he fell in love with me. In March 19, 1989, I gave my life to Christ. And I quickly found out that I could not go a new direction with old friends. And I just want you to know something. My friends, I had the best friends in the world. We had a blast together. We did a lot of stuff, made a lot of memories, had a lot of fun, did a lot of illegal things. Come on, where's all my party people at? Did some stuff I can celebrate today because I can't be held liable anymore. Statue of limitations has run out. <laughs> and some of them still acquaintances. But here's what I found out is all of those people that were friends, like I was the guy voted most popular in high school. That's me. I walk into party, Husky, all my friends. But I found out to go a new direction and live a new life, sometimes you got to have fresh friends. 
And it was the hardest decision I made to cut some of them loose. But what I found out, the person who was going to toe the line, the person who was going to encourage me, the person who was going to push me forward in my new faith wasn't all the friends I had. It was Shauna. Shauna was my 300. She was the person who loved me and encouraged me and challenged me and held me accountable. She was my 300. And I got lots of friends still today, what society and culture would call friends. On social media, I got to keep deleting people to make room for new people. It's just associations. Those are some people I don't even know. But who, who's my tribe? Who's your tribe? Who's your people? Who's, who are the ones really pushing you forward? Who's the ones holding your feet to the fire? Who's the ones loving you unconditionally? Because until you figure that out, you're just going to be surrounded by a big group of people that you know some of their names, some of you don't, but they're your friends. And God said, I created you for a relationship. You were built. You were built to be with people. And if you'll find the people, you'll find your 300, you'll find your small circle, you'll find you can win battles that you didn't think you can win. And so here's the question. In order to be successful in 2021, who are the toxic friends that you need to cut loose? Who's the important relationship that you are giving up on or ready to walk out on that you need to rehab? And who are the key friends? Again, if you spend time with a lot of friends, you don't have time for the important friends. Like, who's the friend? Like, you've been saying, we'll grab lunch, we'll grab lunch, we're going to do dinner, and like, it's gone from days to weeks to months. Like, who's the people you need to get back in the circle with? Who are the, who are the, who are the life-giving relationships that you need to relish? Lawrenceburg, Florence, everybody watching online, how many of you can think of somebody that's toxic, somebody that's important, and or somebody that you need to relish? I want you to lift a hand real high. God's put a name. Come on, God's put a name right on your heart as I'm talking or you're thinking. Like, I know that person. This is a person I need to get away from or this is a person I need to press into. I just want to pray for you, man, that God's going to give you the strength to make hard decisions. Again, nobody can fix your relationships but you. God will give you grace to do it. God will give you instruction to do it. But to find the right friends, the right companions, the right people in your circle, you're going to make, have to make some hard decisions. So, Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for every person hearing this message. God, again, that we would understand the profound significant uh, significance of friends and relationships and companions, that, God, the people in our lives are defining us and driving us. And so, Lord, I pray, God, help us to be cautious, not to allow the wrong people in our inner circle. And God, help us to be intentional, to make time for the people we value, to strive to speak truth to them and to love them. And so, Lord, as we sort through all of the relationships we have, I pray that you'll give us the grace of Gideon so we can have the victory of Gideon and that we can overcome obstacles and we can fight battles and we can achieve success. God, give us wisdom to do it well. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God for the word today? Come on, y'all. Hey, listen, before, before we go, I just want to tell everyone here, man, the greatest friend you'll ever have is Jesus. The greatest relationship you'll ever have is somebody who'll never give up on you, never turn his back on you. Jesus is the friend that runs in when everybody else is running out. The Bible says all of us are separated from him because of our sin. The only way we can have a relationship with him, with God, with our creator is to do something with our sin that's offended him and separated us from him. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die on the cross for your sin, for mine, so we could be forgiven.
to give us grace, the gift of grace. When you have grace, man, that causes us in our relationship with God where you become sons and daughters of the king, where you're his and he's yours forever. And so if you're in this room, you're watching this in Lawrenceburg or online, you say, Pastor man, today I need to give my life to Jesus. I need the grace you're talking about. I need a relationship with God. Maybe you've been abandoned and the friend you need to lean into right now is Jesus. And so I want to close in a prayer. If you say, Pastor will you remember me in that prayer, man? I want to lean into Jesus. I need to give my life to Christ. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high. Come on, no shame in your game. Come on, say, Pastor that's me. I need to give my life to Christ today. Lots of hands. I just want to pray a simple prayer. Whether you raise the hand or not, you can pray this. You can use your own words or mine. It's just a cry of help to a father who loves you. We say, Jesus, I give you my life today. I pray you'd forgive me of my sin. You'd give me your grace and make me your son or daughter. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I thank you that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Help me to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you, Faith Church.